This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Ah, yes. Hello and welcome to episode number 228 of Youpreneur FM. You are in the right place if you're a personal brand entrepreneur wanting to build a successful business based around your personality, your experience, and the people that you want to serve and sell. I'm your host, Chris Ducker. Today, we've got a great show lined up for you. Beth Kempton is in the house, the founder of DoWhatYouLoveForLife.com and the author of the brand new book, Freedom Seeker, is going to be telling us all about her story, how she got over tons of of just issues and, and, and mental blocks and a lot of sadness, actually, in what she was doing and the realization that, hey, you know what? You are in charge of your own life. It's going to be up to me to change these things. It's a great story. Before we go there, however, I want to remind you that tickets to the Youpreneur Summit are still on sale, and I would love to see you in London. So if you haven't already got your ticket to our first ever big live event taking place on November 11 and 12 at the gorgeous Queen Elizabeth Convention Center just around the corner from Big Ben and right opposite Westminster Abbey. If you haven't got your ticket, head over to youpreneursummit.com and go ahead and do it right now. I want to see you there in London for some fish and chips at the live event. I want to give you a hug and a handshake and uh, maybe even a high five as well if you're an overachiever obviously. That's youpreneursummit.com. Make sure you're there. It's going to be an incredible weekend. Okay, so on to my conversation with Beth. This was, I mean, we could have gone down so many different rabbit holes here with Beth because she's had such an incredible career of working with NGOs and and, uh, a World Cup bid. She's traveled on private jets. Uh, She has hung out with people like David Beckham and done all this other great stuff. But honestly, that's not what we're talking, although she does tell a little bit of the story in regards to that. What we're talking about today is actually her being a freedom seeker, understanding that she's 100% in control of her life after a period of time where through marriage and motherhood and helping people build their businesses in one way or another, she decided that she was going to start living life on her own terms. It's a great conversation. You're going to fall in love with Beth. I know I have. Here we are chatting up a storm. Enjoy. So Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. No, it is an absolute pleasure and an honor. I've really been looking forward to this one. And for you guys tuning in, we tried to do this like a month ago, maybe even longer than that, actually. And it didn't work because internet connections were not on our side that day. And then Beth got busy. I got busy. Now we're coming together. Finally, it looks like everything is on our side. Thank gosh. Um, so, Beth, I this... This, I want to be the kind of conversation that people will want to listen back on for a second or even a third time at some point in the future, not necessarily because of hardcore strategy, although I'm sure you're going to share a number of those um, you know, little knowledge nuggets to take away for everyone tuning in, but more so because I believe every now and then we just need a good old-fashioned success story. We need a good old-fashioned, this-is-how-I-did-it story. And this is 
what we're going to talk about. Um, so I'm excited. Now, you have, before we go any further, you've got a book that came out not so long ago, Freedom Seeker. Uh, the subtitle is Live More, Worry Less, Do What You Love. So let's start with that, um, as it's probably the most sort of recent thing that you've worked on. Why did this take you so long to put together? <laughs> And and uh, sort of give us the, the incubus of, of what it's all about. Well, firstly, I'm delighted. This is the kind of conversation we're having today because there's nothing I like better than a good old story. And yes. I think there's so many gems hidden in stories. And what I love about them is that people can take from them what's, what's right for them. And it's, it's interesting that you brought up Freedom Seeker, um, first of all, because it is actually it is a self-help book, but it is my story. And it's the story of about 30 or more other people mm. who have decided at some point in their life, in some way, that actually what really matters to them is feeling free. Um, and they may have decided it because they had a massive health issue or because they got made redundant or something else big happened in their life or they might have decided just because they realized they didn't actually feel that happy they might have a great job and you know that the trappings of what society tells you is success but realized that something wasn't right for them Mm. and they went about fixing that and finding a way to fix that and what freedom seeker is all about is it it's full of um transformational tools that can help you if you're stuck get to to feeling free and then once you feel free working out okay well where do I want to fly now (laughs) where do I want to go you know I've escaped the thing that was making me feel trapped but now I have the rest of my life to figure out um, and work out what is going to make me happy and it's it's really a kind of hand-holding guide to go from that place of feeling stuck to where you're fulfilling your potential whatever that means because obviously we're all different and our our lives are all different and writing that book for me it's it's funny I I love it that you said why is it taking you so long I'd never even considered that taking me so long (laughs) because the the catalyst for the book was a was a really low point that I had about two years ago um my business was flying we were living in a beautiful house by the sea we had one um toddler and you know I'm married to a wonderful man and I guess on the outside everything looked like it was going great but there was one moment when I was very heavily pregnant with my second child and I just collapsed on my bedroom floor and I was streaming with tears and just felt like everything was too much. And I was supposed to be getting on a train to go to London and speak at this big event at the Royal Institute all about doing what you love. And I just felt like a massive fraud because mm. I was like, what, what am I doing? My company is called Do What You Love. But right now I'm not loving any of this. And I feel like I'm doing a rubbish job at everything. And basically, I just want to go to bed for several days. (laughs) Um, And that was a real moment for me going, hang on a minute. I I used to be a real adventurer. I was a really spontaneous person. I had a really, um, I've had some amazing jobs in the past. I'm sure we'll get to some of that um, in a minute. But um, I, I used to travel the world and meet amazing people and have lunch with like a Nobel Peace Prize winner. And just, you know, I was like this, I had this really fascinating life when I look back on it. And at that moment, I was like, what on earth happened? Like, where did right. that go? Right. And what I really didn't understand was that it's not that I didn't want any of the things that I had. Like I wanted my business, I wanted my family and I'd chosen you know, to live in this house by the sea and I'd made all these conscious choices, but something was missing. And so I decided really for myself, I need to sort this out. I don't want to feel um, 
trapped like this anymore. I don't want to feel suffocated. And what I did in that moment, it was nothing like, oh, I'm going to write a book about this. <laughs> I was literally like li- thinking about my old self and her, you know, flying around the world and having all these adventures and looking happy and thinking about myself stuck on my bedroom floor like I was trapped in this cage, this cage of my own making, thinking, what does she have that I don't have? And what I realized was space. I had no space in my life. I was mm. so busy. I had so many demands on my time. I didn't really have any physical space I didn't really go anywhere I spent my whole time at my desk or you know looking after my um, daughter and I just I just didn't have any space um, head space heart space and so what I did was I carved a little bit of space literally like I'm just gonna go and sit on the grass for half an hour sounds so simple but you know it was uh, it was like kind of a bit of a revelation I was like okay and now I'm gonna take a yoga class oh nobody's complaining and now I'm gonna walk along the beach for half a day oh still nobody minds. And then I turned my attention to my business. And I said, how can I make more space in my business? Because um, I'm sure we'll talk about the business in a minute, but it had morphed into this machine, um, which was still fundamentally um, supporting the same why that we'd begun with. But my actual role in it had changed so much that I was doing things that weren't, I, I was just busy doing things for other people, essentially. And so I, I, thought, how can I make some more space in, in my business? And I, I have two business partners, and I said to one of them, you know what, I'm just going to email you on Tuesdays um, for a while, and the other one, I'm just going to email you on Fridays. Obviously, if it's urgent, you can give me a call anytime. but if it's not urgent, expect to hear from me on those days. Mm. And the amazing thing was, apart from I felt better because I had, you know, wasn't being bombarded all the time, they loved it because mm. they were like, oh, hang on a minute, they could also focus on our projects on those days and the other days focus on the other things and so it kind of by accident became a really great way of streamlining our communications within the business and then I was like this is amazing yeah now now I've got a little bit of space here right yeah yeah and what can I do and then I realized I was very pregnant um (laughs) and I had the potential to go on maternity leave the first time I had a baby when I was still running my own business I had four days off um I don't know what you're like around um when you know when your uh, wife has had her children but oh my goodness four days is not to be recommended (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know what I was thinking and it was really really hard and I think by by not taking a proper break the first time around I'd set myself on this kind of train that was going so fast you're kind of waiting for a crash at some point and so I said right next time around I'm not doing that again I'm going to take five months off and, you know, you'll understand that's a really hard thing to do when it's your own business and you've got staff all over the world and, um, you know, you've got courses to deliver and all yeah, these things. Yeah. But but I made that commitment. My husband works in my company as well. Um, we share the load. So that, that was really helpful. Um, but that was a really important decision because what that did was um, opened up this big chunk of time when I could focus on my newborn baby. And very interestingly, I had a completely different birth experience with her. Um, I think partly because I was so much calmer. Um, mm. And then I, w- I was just so happy for, for, you know, the weeks after the first time around, I'd been very um, drugged up and everything. This time, no drugs, nothing. And it was the summer. And I spent days and days, you know, pushing her up and down the beach and thinking about this question that had come to my head about how, how do I feel free in my life you know I want to have this family I want to bring my girls up in a way that they feel like they can do anything be whatever they want follow their dreams but 
also know that not just because I tell them, but because they see me doing it. And so in order to do that, I need to make some changes. And, a, you know, a business is such a great way to to find that freedom if you run it in the right way. And I think that's the thing we so often think, I'll start my own business because then I'll be free of my boss and my commute and all those things. But if you then build your business in a way that completely ties you to your laptop 24-7, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's not freedom, is it? No, not at all. And I think, you know, that was one of the big realizations for me as well back in 2009 when I hit my burnout. And for you guys, we'll link to that episode where I talk about that. I'm not going to go into that now. But um, so pop over to the show notes and, and, and check that out. But when I hit that burnout, the exact same thing had happened to me, probably on a slightly larger scale than yours. But it it, it, it was all encompassing it was all me all the time 16 hours a day why the hell am i you know why did i even start the business in the first place for it to be basically mm -hmm. ruining me like this physically emotionally mentally yeah. even spiritually quite frankly yeah. you know what what is what is going on and then what happened i burned out i put myself in the hospital for two weeks so you know that this is this is real and and you know we've talked about burnout and avoiding burnout and we're not going to we're not going to turn this show into that. But I think the fact that you were feeling the way you were, that you took the time, you found the space, you had your second, and now you're sort of in this position where everything else is so much easier for you, it's so much more productive for you, so much more successful for you. There's massive amounts to be able to take away from that. So let's deep dive a little bit then on <clears throat> kind of like how you've built this this thing of yours up there's a nice really uh grown-up word thing stuff are you, are you i use these words like you know the stuff you do the things you do i mean but that's do, what it is it's it a is. thing it's a it's yes. a movable feast a business okay so do what you love for life.com that's your main yes. website you also have obviously bethkempton.com as well we've got yeah. information about you and your book and your speaking and all that sort of type of thing as well the book is available for you guys on amazon make sure you go check it out if this is your bag and i'm sure it will be but let's talk real quick about because you what you've done is you've built up what i now commonly refer to as the youpreneur ecosystem where you've got your speaking your book your courses, your resources, your community, all these things based around this initial idea, this initial thing of yours that you've now built up into this very successful business that really does allow you, for want of a better term, to live life on your own terms. And I hate using that term because it's been overused, let's face it. I mean, how how do you get to this kind of reverse engineer a little bit back for the next 10 minutes or so how did you get yeah. to where you are now what was the kind of the pro well not the process but that that step-by-step -step growth how did it start what happened next what did you do then and so on and so on 10 minutes give us that little watered down version of how you built that ecosystem up for yourself in the last few years sure well i think i'm um, slightly a contradiction in that in one way it makes perfect sense that I am essentially an entrepreneur. I think it's quite strange to use, sometimes I feel it's quite strange to use that term about yourself. It feels like that's the way you should describe somebody else who's really inspiring to you in business. But, you know, we use it 
more and more for ourselves these days. So on one hand, I think it makes complete sense because, you know, when I was um, six years old, I got in trouble at school for going to a farm and buying up all the animal feed and putting it into smaller bags and selling it to all my classmates. Um, and, you know, I used to have a, a cake stand outside my house and, you know, on a Saturday morning. And I was always trying to sell stuff and because I thought it was fascinating. And um, But on the other hand, I think I'm quite like, quite unlikely to be the, to have the kind of business I have now because it is virtually all online um apart from you know like you mentioned the speaking in the book but that's really the very very recent for me mm -hmm. um and when I started my business I didn't even know what a blog was I, I swear to you um and we have you know we've we've won awards for being this digital business that's been really pioneering and it's so funny how I think when you when you look back sometimes it's good to not know what you didn't know because you'd, it'd be so terrifying you'd never do it um and I think it's a hopefully this story is a really good example to people that you can always learn the technical stuff the practical stuff that you need to know the important thing is your idea and your heart and your soul and your effort and your intention I think is really really important that the other mm. bits you can you can learn or you can pay someone else to do it for you. And that's something that I've really learned over the time. So to, so to get back to the beginning, it was really a perfect storm of two things. Um, I was working in uh, the sports industry. I was actually working for a UN agency at the time um, with very high profile um, sports corporates, big brands um, and individual athletes, some of the top athletes in the world. Um, to raise funds and awareness for, for the work of the um, UN agency that I was working for um, is UNICEF. So um, helping children all over the world to achieve their potential. And interestingly, looking back now, I can see that helping other people achieve their potential has always been a thread for me, even though I didn't realize it as I was going along. Um, so it was from a job point of view, you know, it's incredibly glamorous. I travel on Manchester United's private jet. I do you know work with all, you know, there's worse ways to get around, right? There are. Yes. Yeah. Although, you know, if your husband's an Everton fan, I don't talk about <laughs> it that often. <laughs> yes. But, you know, brave lady. It, it, was a, <laughs> it was a very interesting insight into um, all sorts of different lives. And, you know, we raised a ton of money. I helped raise over $10 million and we did some really important work. So, I wasn't coming from a place that I hated my job at all. But what was going on is what I was functioning in an environment that wasn't necessarily the best environment for me to flourish, which was the male dominated sports industry, which is incredibly competitive. It's all about the money. You know, it's the, it's the sports. Um, it's what you see on the field, off the field. Absolutely. That's how the industry works. Um, and I, I thrived on the people bit in the access to all sorts of interesting people. Um, but the, there were other things about the, the male culture that weren't necessarily right for me. And so I was working on England's bid to host the FIFA World Cup in 2018. So for the Americans in the audience, that the Soccer World Cup and the USA was bidding at the same time um, did a fine job, I must say, although they obviously didn't win either. Um, and what we were doing was trying to bring the world's greatest sporting event to England. And as you all know, Chris, you know, England is very traditional um massive lover of football we have incredible stadiums oh, and, yes yes you know huge fan support and basically everything that a really great world cup would need and my job i was tasked to work out what the legacy would be for that world cup so if we hosted the world's greatest sports event how would we use that for global good to um, get more children around the world into football or whatever it was that we would do how would we use that power um, and we came up with with 
an amazing plan. I can say that because it wasn't just me. I was really the person pulling together all of the big agencies across football to make it a shared promise. Um, and FIFA, who's the um, world governing body for football, who decides who gets the event, their technical people came to England. We took them on a tour. It was amazing. It was like a Harrods helicopter taking them from stadium to stadium. And it was, yeah, but we had to do all these presentations of our plans. And they said our plans were perfect. They said our legacy was important for world football. <clears throat> and, yep. you know, they couldn't have said nicer things. So basically, our, our bid was really, really good. And then we took it to FIFA and um, there's a bunch of basically old guys um, at FIFA who have been around forever um, and are very self-interested and they get to vote. And it's not like the IOC where, you know, for the Olympics, every country gets a vote. You know, it's just this bunch of people who have been fairly randomly decided and have a huge amount of power. And we went to Zurich with Prince William, with our then Prime Minister, David Cameron, and with David Beckham, and with one of the young people um, who was representing the legacy story. And they gave a phenomenal presentation. And what happened was England went out in the first round. We got two votes. from, And one of those people was from our country. <laughs> and it was, we, we all felt like we'd been literally just kicked in the stomach. And it not... Not because we're bad losers, you know, if we'd got to the second round and then we lost by a vote, whatever, you know, we'd be a bit gutted. But clearly, it was nothing about the event and the bid. And obviously, if you are interested in sport and have been watching ever since, most of those people who had a say on that day are either in prison, under investigation by the FBI, have been found to have been corrupt there and taken go. money for votes and all those things. And we, we could sense that, we knew that at the time. And I just had this massive thought of, this is my life. I'm spending my life working really hard in an industry where the further up I go, the more I have to deal with people whose values are completely contradictory to mine. Mm. And there, there are some really good people in the sports industry, but essentially at the top, there's a lot of people like that. And I decided I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and then at exactly the same time, like literally within a few months of, of when this was all going on, um, I went on a plane to California quite randomly and I went to an art retreat, um, which sounds like, you know, it's just a hobby thing to do on the side. But it was a massive turning point for me because what happened on that art retreat that I, I got to very weirdly because I read this book and um, the woman who'd written the book was really inspiring. And I thought I want to meet her, which makes me sound like a stalker. And I booked this workshop and went to California and got there and was like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I'm not an artist. I don't paint. And look at all these women um who clearly do and I felt like a fraud I wanted to get in a taxi and go home but it already driven off so I was there for a week and it was one of the most amazing inspiring um moments of my life and I think what happened was which happens with so many entrepreneurs that we are we do what we do in the way that we do it because we are fundamentally highly creative people and so many of us have that creativity bashed down and buried when we're young by right. teachers parents oh, whatever yeah. You know, and it's 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 heartbreaking, not only because there's a lot of people who could make a career out of that, you know, practically being an artist or a writer or whatever, but also because that creativity is such a fundamental skill in building an, an innovative business, right? Um, so, so I got there and I realized that there's this whole part of myself that had been buried and I felt really happy there. And I realized that there were all these women who were very, di like the feeling at this event was so different from the feeling of the industry that I was working in. And I was like, maybe instead of hanging out with guys all the time, I should be hanging out with women. Because, um, you know, I've got two brothers and I've got a lot of guy friends and I had lived in kind of a very male world. 
And so this female community thing was really new for me. And what I also realized, um, because my brain is always ticking over with business ideas, um, is that these women came here and they um, all learned to make stuff um, just for the fun of making it. And then they went, they would go home to all over, mostly all over America, and they would go back to their day jobs and they'd be thinking about how nice it was when they're at that that art retreat, but they don't have any time to make things. But actually, if they could find a way to make that their career or they start a business doing that thing, they could do that every day, Mm. right? Essentially, Mm. they could do what they love. And for so many people, um, doing what you love isn't just about um, making money, but if you can monetize the thing you love, that allows you obviously to do it a lot more of the time. And so that was really the seed of doing what you love. And I felt that there was something I could bring from all this experience working with these big corporates and um, these big brands and everything to this community of women who had massive creative potential, huge amounts of energy, and were really um, lovely and friendly and inspiring and wanted to do stuff, um, but didn't know how. And I wondered if I could merge those two things. And so actually the very first thing that I did was create um, a luxury creativity and enterprise retreat in the UK. Um, We took over 72 acres of um, this beautiful um, echo lodge place um, in Richmond in in the north of England. Um, And we had about 50 people come. We had one of the founders of Etsy come and talk. And it was just the most amazing experience. It was all teepees and fires and great conversation and it was kind of an experiment for me um but I was like oh yes oh yes this is amazing but events are very hard to well, they are. make money yeah. from right well, they are yeah and I mean and I really- a lot of the time though and, and I don't know how you feel about it now um and obviously you've attended lots of events yourself I've obviously put on a lot of events we have the summit coming up in November as well and I I've always said from day one, you don't put on events to make money. You put on events to bring people together. However, you better figure out how you're going to make money out of it from a long distance perspective, like from a long game perspective, because you can't just keep putting on events necessarily for the fun of it because of the sheer time and energy commitment and investment that they take so my whole deal is i love putting them on i love bringing people together but i'm gonna have to figure out a way to be able to monetize them in some way shape or form because you certainly don't make money at the event or very rarely we make money at the event um some people do it with high-end coaching some people do it with courses and whatnot but i mean you've got to figure out some kind of monetization strategy that's my take on it i'm curious to see what you're a very smart man you're a very smart man and i wish i'd listen to (laughs) that's why i have people like ago. Beth on the show is to say things just like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so so true, and I think so many people go put so much energy and effort into an event without thinking through the long term of it. And what yeah. I think, what I did in the beginning, to be honest, I had a really well paying job, and I would, you know, I didn't really care. I was like, I want to try this thing. This is awesome, and I had some startup money, and I did it. Um, really, as an experiment. But what I didn't have at all was a community. So frankly, I'm amazed that we sold out that first event because I didn't have any creative community whatsoever, especially in the UK. You know, the few people I knew were in the USA connected to the retreat mm-hmm. I'd been on. And so having a community, building a community first and then starting to have an event, because then when people come to the event, you've got other things that you can offer them. So, you know, you like the online courses that we do now. See, I very quickly realized that the event on its own that was not going to be my business model you know I love bringing people together but that is not the thing um and I discovered online learning um 
at that point, there was there was literally only one or two self-helpy type courses. Um, I took one that was all about dreaming big. And I was sat there going, I cannot believe that I can log onto my computer and pay somebody some money and they'll teach me about how to dream big. I'm like, firstly, it's really fascinating. But secondly, I kind of like I know this stuff. It's it's interesting because all my life, my friends have always said to me, how on earth do you get to do all these crazy things? Like you're always on a plane. You know, how do you pay for it? And there was a certain way that I lived my life that was quite unconventional and that prioritized the things that I loved. And it, I realized that wasn't necessarily how everybody lived their life, which is which is why I ended up on lots of ventures and lots of my friends didn't. Um, you know, it's often about prioritization and things. So sure. I realized that there was a lot I had from my life experience that I could share with people to encourage them to be bold and brave and follow their dreams, but not just in an inspirational way, like, yeah, follow your dreams, it's amazing, but actually how do you do that and what obstacles do you come up against and how do you get past them? Um, and so that's I started creating... Um, I created my first online course. I actually wrote it on a um, boat trip in Greece. And um, and I put it out there in the world. And we sold, I don't know, like 60 places or something. Which, I considering it. I had like no mailing list. No, you know, I had a mailing list of about 100 people. Um, and, no, and that is one thing I did very early on, which I'm quite proud of myself for. I started a mailing list like on day one. Um but, a lot of people don't yeah. do it. And I mean, there's been plenty of guests on this show that have admitted to not doing that. And I mean, you know, I, I've i always been harping on about the importance of building your list from day one. And, and if you're yeah. not actively doing it now, you've got to start. Obviously, you can't procrastinate any further. Um, so I give you a little hat tip there. Let me ask you this. I'm curious to know um, – when you know once things had been established for you, uh, and I love that that World Cup story. It's so good. I mean, like when when you had gone through everything and you had started to develop now this online following, this community, the courses started coming out. You could see the traffic coming to the website. You also you know decided to you know like I said you know get to the point of building out a paid community and a book and all the rest of it. When when all of this started to sort of take shape well enough for you to realize, well, hang on, this is now a business, um, was there a shift in your attitude? Because you come across to me as someone who is quite heartfelt and quite heart-centered in what, what she's doing and the reason that she wants you know, to do what she's doing. Was there a time when you thought to yourself, this is now a business, it's not necessarily – what I foresee this, you know, or foresaw this becoming, um, did you get a little bit freaked out by it, maybe a little bit? Or did you sort of take it on and say, well, hell, you know, I'm all about creating a business and building a business, but I'm going to obviously carry on doing it in my own way, et cetera, et cetera. How did you feel when you realized that there was like genuine opportunity there for you with what you were doing? I was, that is such a great question. I was totally psyched. Um, because I actually, I have, I, it's, I love that you picked up that I'm a, quite a heart-centered person. I'm also very logical, and sometimes there's a battle between those two things. My logical mind, as soon as we lost that England bid, um, I, and I knew that was it. I was not. I'd actually three weeks before, I think I felt it coming. I registered my company. Mm. Um, a company I didn't know what it was going to do but I registered a company which I happened to call do what you love thank goodness um, and um, then the retreat was and, and the first e-course were um, quite a few just a few months in but the very first person that I took on was a, was a bookkeeper 
Um, and so from month one, I had all my receipts, even though I didn't have many receipts. I wasn't spending a lot of money. I wasn't bringing in a lot of money. I had a bookkeeper from day one. And I think I said to myself, um, I don't know what this is going to be, but I'm going to take it seriously. And I'm going to, I don't want it. What if it takes off? If it takes off, I don't want to be then caught up in trying to backtrack and sort out my accounts. Mm. So let's take it seriously and see where it goes. Um, and so I still got the same book, bookkeeper with me now. And I think um, sometimes we laugh about um, what those early days. And there was a point actually when I had to pay a tax bill um, and I was so, so close to the wire on paying a quite substantial tax bill from what I'd been doing before. And, you know, like where you borrow money, shift it around for different things. Sure, and things. yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't do that anymore, but it, you know, in the early days when you're just trying to... Oh, you got to do what you got to do, exactly. you got to do what you got to do. And it's yeah. so it's so fun. It, but it really felt like an adventure. I didn't have any children. I wasn't married. I mean, I was with my husband, but um, it was just... I, I think I was so overjoyed by the fact that I could put my ideas into this weird digital form, put it out in the world and people I didn't know would give me money for it. And then the best thing was not just they give me money, but they would send me gifts in the post as a thank you. Like I got a piece of original art in the post going, you've changed my life. I'm like, you paid me for this. <laughs> this right. is insane. Um, so I think I was just so happy about it. And of course there were lots of things I didn't know, but I really think there was, because hardly anyone was doing online courses at the time, which was lucky. I mean, we're talking about like eight years ago now. Um, that's really how our business took off because I do teach some of our courses, but um, I have a particular zone of genius of producing, of, of coming, of helping people nail a curriculum, um, a curriculum that's going to be transformational for other people. Um, and so I've ended up producing quite a lot of courses for other people. And I think what happens when we were talking earlier about the book and when I got overwhelmed was we'd allowed the business to go too much down the line of producing courses for other people, which, you know, it's, it's a very um, good way of generating revenue, um, especially when those people are high profile and the courses are really successful and it's easy to keep putting more and more energy into the thing that's making the most money. Um, and I think that's what I was doing. When, and I'd kind of forgotten about my piece of it, which is what do I want to personally share with the mm. world and teach? So, so we've, you know, we, we've still got those business partners and we're still very invested in that. Um, but ha coming back to the beginning every now and then and saying, what, why did I start this? What was it that got my, got those kind of that fire stoked in the beginning? And am I still doing that in some shape or form? Um, is, is a really important check in, whether that's something that happens to you because, you know, of an illness or whatever, or whether it's just that you go, you know what, I'm going to take a weekend and take stock. Um, it's really, really important because tiny little, tiny little choices end up to big trajectory shifts. Oh, totally. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, no, ab absolutely. I mean, I and I love that about what you said in regards to sort of check almost checking in with yourself to a certain degree. Like, am I happy doing what I'm doing right now? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this what I said I was going to do with my time, with yeah. my life, with my business, with the people I come into contact with? And I, and this is why I, I really look forward to this conversation because, you know, again, yes, it's a business podcast, but I think that a lot of entrepreneurs are losing their way a little bit. And, and this, I, I feel a rant coming on. It's not going to be here, <laughs> uh, but it's not going to be on this show, but I mean, but it could be on a future episode. But I kind of feel like a lot of online entrepreneurs are losing their way. 
way. They're copying each other. They're not yep. thinking about the long game of business. They're all about trying to just grab money on the new launch or the next launch or whatever it is. Um, and I love, I love that you check in with yourself regularly. I love that. I yeah. think that's great. I can, I can share a cautionary tale of um, when I nearly went down that road. Um, when that's perfect. I was getting Do that. Yes, yeah. that, that would be a lovely way to be able to wrap up this episode. I think it'd be great. Go for it. Sure. So um, we were being asked all the time, like every week by a new person to um, produce an online course for them because they were seeing that we were having really big success helping other people do it. Right. Um, and it's incredibly tempting because, you know, when you've got um, – success that you can explain in numbers, then it's very easy to command um, high levels of money and you like, oh, do the maths. Yes, that's nice. I'll have a bit of that. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, I realized that, oh, well, I couldn't handle um, doing it, the individual courses. So I would create an online course um, to teach people how to do online courses. Um, and I created that and I put it out in the world um, really fast um, because there was this really big demand for it. And it's really funny. I, I felt like I was going down the path of becoming a teacher of how to do the thing that I do, which mm -hmm. I think so many people do online. Like they have some success doing something like they build a big community on Instagram and then they suddenly become the person who teaches everyone how to build a community on Instagram, which is not the thing that they became famous for doing, right? They became famous because they were building an amazing community around something on Instagram. Um, and I think I suddenly realized I don't want to be the person who's famous for teaching people how to make their e-courses so we do that we you know i still support people we still have that course it's called reach teach profit but it's a self-paced course we have a master like a, a mastermind week every quarter but i realize my life's work is not teaching other people how to do that so that resource is there and it's available to people and it's really helpful but my life's work is elsewhere it's in um helping people to do what they love to feel free and it's writing books and talking and all those things mm -hmm. and i think it, it's so important to, to go, am I putting this out there for the right reasons? And as soon as we made that shift to we, we have to deliver this particular course in a way that works for us as well as works for other people and is in line with the right intentions, that's when it, it flourishes. So I think it's always coming back to, you know, like you said, it's, it is about business, but it is also about life because our businesses are so much a part of our life. And it's, you know, oh, what do we want to be proud of? How do we want to spend our days, you know? Absolutely. And that's what I'm always saying. You know, the goal here is, yes, we want to make money and, and, you know, affect a little change and help people along the way and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, when I think about, um, you know, somebody actually just asked me, they were interviewing me for their podcast um, about a week or so ago. And they said to me, what do you want your legacy to be with your business and your legacy to be in your personal life. And I thought it was quite interesting how they broke that, that down because most people mm. just say, what do you want your legacy to be? And I, I said, I'll share my, my, my answers real quick right now. I said, well, I want my personal legacy to be that my kids do better than me. Because I'm sitting the bar, I'm setting the bar pretty darn high for my children, and they know it. So I, I want them to do better than me, plain and simple. And then I, I said, when it comes to the business side of things, I just I, I want to be I want to be building. I when I'm when everything is done and finished, and 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 I'm done doing what I'm doing from a business perspective. I want it not only to live on without me, whether I just retire or whether I pop me clogs, one or the other, but I genuinely want people to say that's a business 
that I hope to build to grow. I want, I want to have a business to be proud of. It doesn't need to make hundreds of millions of dollars on an annual basis or anything. I just want to have a business that people look at and they say, I want to build a business like that. That's the kind it's of It's so important. And yeah. it's a great question for everyone to ask themselves. Just and one very final thing on, on money, because businesses, very, of course, if they don't, they're not making money, they're not, they're not a sustainable business. But I feel very strongly that money is an input, not an output or an outcome. Oh, so so the goal is not the money. It's making more money allows you to do more of the stuff that you want to do. So absolutely aim to make more money, but understand why, because that will drive you further and you'll end up making more and it will allow you to do more of what you love. Could not agree more. What a great note to end it on as well. Uh, Beth, such an enjoyable conversation. I just know that when we get – because we haven't – for you guys tuning in, we've never met in person before. So I just know that when we do get the opportunity to sit down with each other, we're going to go for hours. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I, can I can't wait. This, I can see this happening very easily. Um, well, I hope it will be at your event in London. It sounds like an amazing event. And yes, thank a, you. a really great place for people to gather. It'll, it'll be great to have you there. Um, so, guys, if you are curious to know a little bit more about Beth and what she's all about, you can hop over to dowhatyouloveforlife.com or just, obviously, over to Beth's website uh, over at bethkempton.com, plain and simple. Um, Beth, you're great. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on the show. I very much appreciate it. I loved it. It's always good to talk to a fellow freedom seeker, which I can tell you are. Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. <laughs> for you guys. Thanks for uh, me. No, and thank you very much for being with us. I really appreciate it. For you guys tuning in, um, show notes, links to Beth sites, the book, the whole kit and caboodle over right now. ChrisDucker.com forward slash episode 228. I will love you and leave you for now. But I will say, go ahead and start seeking your freedom for yourself and for the people that you love because life's too darn short to be doing it any other way i'll be back at you again next week until then bye bye for now if the idea of an entrepreneurial community where you get to learn from the best in the business as well as rub shoulders gain support have access to immediate feedback as well as non-stop accountability from your peers is something that excites you then visit youpreneur.com for more information and to get started on building a business you can truly be proud of today. That's youpreneur.com. We'll see you on the inside.